Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by the Annie Selkie Companies. Fall means cooler weather, and cooler weather means it's a great time to cozy up your home. That's why Annie's got you covered with comfy bedding, warm throws, and a whole lot more. Find it all at annieselkie.com YHL, and don't forget to save 15% at checkout with code YHL15. I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. Today I'm taking you inside my closet to share how I keep my wardrobe simple, including tricks you can use to tame your own closet clutter, plus a solution for dealing with that awkward space in your bedroom, and why John loves something I hate. I seem to recall last week you made a very big deal about this Monday, October 15th. Oh, you guys. Remember I was like, when you're about to have a baby and you have a due date and then you see the milk is going to expire after the due date, you're like, I'll have a baby in my arms by then. And what happens when you don't have the baby on your due date? You're miffed, right? You're like, I thought I'd have the baby by now. This date was so meaningful for me. I actually had my kids before my due dates, but I know so many friends who go over. I have one friend who goes over by like two weeks every time, and she is over it by the end. Just done being pregnant, wants to hold the baby. And basically, my house is the baby, guys. The painter called about painting the house white, which you might remember I announced on October 15th. The house is getting painted white. That means you can watch along on Insta stories and see all the excitement. Well, the painter got delayed and pushed back due to weather stuff. And now we are pushed back two more weeks. So my baby's super delayed. The house is not getting painted till the last week of October. He has promised it won't move anymore and that the colder weather will not put him off. So we're all going to do like an anti-rain dance and we're going to hope that this works out. Yeah, something happens. We're basically going to schedule an induction. I know. I'm like, I can't even believe that this got pushed back, but like, duh. I think when you hit a date so hard, Sherry, like October 15th, October 15th, you basically jinx it into being delayed. That's what happened. I believed in it so hard, it just slipped right out of my grasp. Yeah. And it will be worth the wait. I know that. I just am really bad at having patience. Stop jinxing yourself (laughs) with all these definitive statements. Guys, it's going to be amazing. I think instead, Sherry, we should talk about a topic we cover a lot here, which is clothing. Exactly. Because as you all know, I'm a fashion blogger and I talk so much about my wardrobe and my closet. Excuse me, who's the fashion blogger? I'm the fashion blogger. It's John. No, the story is actually that, and guys, that's sarcasm because I wear like the same five outfits every day. And I've been saying this like for years. Everyone knew me as a girl who had one bra for very long. Like I've never been very... I've never been into variety. I like what I like, and I'm very, like, fine with my look, and that's who I am. If I can say this without putting my foot in my mouth, (laughs) I would say you're not experimental when it comes to fashion. Nope. You're not necessarily, like, a trend seeker. Nope. I'm not saying you're not trendy or current looking, but it's not like you see the newest thing come out and you go reinvent your look. You're no Lady Gaga. I'm not. I never saw like the genie pant and said, I'm going to pull that off. I don't even know what that is. It's like um, Aladdin's pants. Like a hammer pant. Yeah, it's kind of like a hammer pant. It goes out and it goes back in. (laughs) I know my stuff. I've seen a fashion magazine before. Back in my old days as an employee at Express. Yes, I worked at Express, guys. They came in and a whole bunch of girls bought them. 
them and I was like, guys, these are satin and they are hammer bands. Like, I don't know why we're doing this to ourselves. They quickly went out. But like, I'm not the person who jumps on the newest trend. I guess my point is that I always joke that I wear the same five things. But then it became clear when I was sharing a video on Insta stories how people were interested in the way I look at clothes. So I'll, I'll lay out the video for you. I was sharing the video about a stencil on my floor that we'd had for five years and I was showing how it held up. And I was like, look, you can see over here it had a little bit of wear, but for the most part it held up really well and now I'm just going to change it. So get on the newsletter and I'll share the changes with you guys. And by the way, there were a few people who wanted to see what my closet looked like because you thought it'd be funny because it's all black. Well, here it is. I have like 19 hangers and it is all black. Because the stencil is in the closet. Right. So I just panned up, not even for a full frame in Insta stories. So for less than 10 seconds, I would guess, I showed my hanging bar. What I did not anticipate was that nobody gave two dangs about the stencil and everybody gave a hundred dangs about what was on my clothing bar. Like I was inundated with questions, requests for a post, a video. People wanted me to talk about it on the podcast. It was like, despite people knowing that you basically wear the same thing every day, they were shocked to see you didn't have many clothes. Right. One person legit said, seeing your closet is the craziest thing I've seen on the internet in 2018. (laughs) Like people went nuts. And I was like not prepared for it. Like I was like, who am I to talk about a wardrobe? Like I don't call it a capsule wardrobe. I don't proclaim that I have fewer clothes than anyone else on the earth. But I've always said I have very few clothes and I wear what I wear. I have kind of a uniform. But when you say uniform, it doesn't mean that you literally wear the exact same outfit every day like a school uniform. No, no, no. I always joke I'm kind of like Steve Jobs and Michael Kors. They're two men who are known for this. I'm just the female version and I'm not nearly as billionaire-ish as they are. Exactly. (laughs) They don't have one sweater they wash and wear every day. They have just identified the color and cut of things they like and they wear and that flatter their body and they keep repeating that outfit or some version of that outfit. And that's what I do. I've figured out the color and cut of things I like for the summer and for the winter and I buy enough to get me from laundry day to laundry day and that is what I call my uniform. But people started asking me a lot of questions about the term uniform and how I define that. I did, first of all, get a ton of questions that were like, yeah, but you work from home in kind of an unusual capacity. So like as a person who works in an office, I don't think I could do this. And I was like, whoa, 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 hold up. I've done this since I lived in New York City and had an office job. Like I worked in a traditional setting. I had a nine to five, which was way longer than that. It was like a nine to midnight because I worked in advertising. And I for sure had to do client presentations and get dressed up. And I actually explained in New York, I had this uniform probably born out of necessity because I had a very tiny closet and did not even have room for a dresser in my bedroom. So I have always dressed this way with this sort of permutations of combinations. And I will explain my method a little bit here in case it helps. And we are going to do a post a little bit later this week and it's going to have photos and a video and like all the media information. But this is really more of a concept than it is something you have to see, I believe. And so the people who are like, yeah, but I work in an office, this can't work for me. It's math. It can work for anybody. (laughs) If you have a uniform and you decide, I like this kind of layered look and it's a tank top with some sort of jacket or blazer over it and it's dress pants or I like wrap dresses or I like a suit or whatever you decide you like, you just have to create combinations of items and you don't need a lot of items. So my example would be if you do laundry once a week, you probably max for that season need about 10 outfits. Why do I say that? Because you probably wear about an outfit a day. Maybe some days you wear two. So if you look in your closet and you have 35 shirts for summer, 
you are not wearing them very often or what I would guess is happening is you're wearing the same 10 things that you love the most all the time and the rest is filler. So the way I describe that is I say I have a closet GPA. It means if I like every single thing in my closet, my GPA is a 4.0. Like I love everything. I give it all five stars. It's my favorite. And you wear it. And I wear it all the time. That's what it takes to stay in my wardrobe. I have to wear it. If I look at something and give it the stink eye because I don't wear it, I'd rather donate it or sell it because I still like feeling pared down and simplified. I like feeling like I reach for the things in my closet. So if I don't wear it, I get rid of it. But to go back to the GPA, if I'm standing in a store and I try on a sweater and I say, it's nice. I mean, it's probably like a three out of a four star review. Like it's cute. I will resist buying it because I say to myself, but is it going to bring down my perfect score GPA? Like, is this 3.0 sweater going to bring down all my 4.0 outfits and therefore never get reached for? Like, why would I reach for this if I already have four sweaters I like better? It's almost like when you're in the store looking ahead and trying to say, is this going to be the item that I don't wear because I have better things? Is this going to be the thing that I just overlook each time I have the opportunity? Like, you almost went through this process with me after that whole Instagram about your side of the closet because my side of the closet had gotten a little bit more unruly. I have more clothes than you. For sure. My husband has way more clothes than I do. He has fewer shoes and he has more clothes. Yeah, I have a lot of t-shirts. I have a lot of dress shirts and I don't wear all of them very regularly. So Sherry looked at my t-shirts and was like, you have, I don't know, 20 t-shirts. But I was basically cycling through the same like seven or eight because by the time I got through those eight, I was doing laundry. I wasn't going to the back 12. Exactly. That's just my theory, guys. It's that no matter who you are and what your job is, even if you wear an outfit to work and you come home and put on a different outfit, calculate how many outfits you need and only have those. You can have some buffer ones because, yeah, you wake up and spill the mouthwash down your shirt or whatever. Like, you don't want to just have seven outfits for seven days if you do laundry once a week. But I know people who have 30 pairs of jeans and 10 pairs of black yoga pants. But when I talk to them, I say, but do you have a favorite pair you wear all the time? And they're like, yes. Like, this is a universal concept we all can grasp. And everyone has a sliding scale of how minimal they want to be. You might not want one pair of yoga pants. Like, someone might want to have five pairs of yoga pants. If you identify that that is your uniform, I am not the fashion judge. I just say, figure out what you actually wear and recognize that you actually wear it and stop buying the other stuff for variety. I want to offer two asterisks here. One is that people probably need to have different uniforms for different functions. Like, I have a set of workout uniforms for when I'm working out. I have a set of like casual clothes uniforms for just being casual. And I do have a set of like dressier uniforms for when we have like events or whatever. I have to go to a business meeting where I need a button down. So that's why I have more than just 10 sets of clothes, but I only have like five or six within each of those functions. Right. The categories make sense. And you're listening and you might be like, uniform, what do you mean? It just means identifying the cut, color, and styles that you actually like and actually wear. And then deciding when you go to the store and something is outside of that and it checks the box of variety, but it's something that you can see into the future and see yourself donating because you will not actually wear it. Once you can see your wardrobe clearly for that, like go through your clothes first and donate what you don't want before you go to the store because when you remember what you've donated say it's the one pair of jeans that are a different cut stop going to the store and telling yourself the story that when you buy jeans that are a different cut you'll look more fashionable because you'll have variety an example is I'm a short person my shorts are short it's because I've learned that long shorts look like I'm going golfing like they look 
frumpy and they're not flattering to my body type. And so when I buy them for variety's sake, right, like, ooh, these are different than the other shorts, I never wear them because they don't flatter me the way that other things that are a 4.0 GPA do. Well, and I said I had one other asterisk, which goes to this point about variety, is I think some people should recognize that they are people who enjoy variety or they enjoy the experimentation or they just enjoy the process of shopping and finding something new because I think we do that a lot maybe with home good things, like shopping for things. We're trying to cut back on it, but that is something that we find more pleasure in than shopping for clothes. So if you're someone who likes to be experimental with your look and you like having a different uniform every day, if you've acknowledged that about yourself, it might be fine if your closet is overflowing. But if you're someone who is trying to pare down your closet or get to a more minimal closet, looking at it the way that you were talking about with like cut out that variety is a way to get there. Right. To me, it's like eliminating, you know how they say like, Cut the fat, trim the fat, the fluff, right? Like we're trimming off, we're shearing. This is a strange analogy. We're shearing the goat. (laughs) No? The sheep? The the sheep? sheep. I don't know what we're doing. We're getting rid of the stuff that's (laughs) mental energy and closet space that is unuseful, right? Like mental energy is like every time you see that thing, you're like, oh, I should wear that because I spent $79 at anthropology on it. And I bought it because I thought like in my head, my lifestyle supported that thing, but like my real lifestyle doesn't support wearing that thing. Like when you buy something, think about if you really have an event or a use in mind for it, or if it's going to be the thing with the tag still on in your closet years later. But essentially what I'm trying to do is just answer the questions from people who are like, how do I get to a more pared down wardrobe? So if you have a big wardrobe and you love it, I'm not talking to you. I want you to do whatever you need to do in your own home to make you happy. If you have five closets, I'm like, good on you, like whatever you need. But when people ask me for tips for paring down, like how do you choose? I literally just say, well, my uniform really helps me. Like for me, I have a lot of black tank tops. And then in the winter, I wear the same black tops and I layer them. So I'll put a blazer over them. I'll put a green faux suede jacket over them. I'll put a big puffy coat over them. Like I will layer myself with my same summer essentials. And in the winter, I will just add another layer. So I'm very used to this wardrobe. It's why I'm kind of famous, quote unquote, for my blazer. Like everybody knows at a book signing or an event, I'm going to be in a blazer. It's not an accident. It's because that's how I dress. And when I lived in New York City and I worked in an agency and I had to dress up, that's what worked for me. Getting back to why I said this is just math, it's permutations. Do you guys know that if you have five shirts and you have five jackets and any of those shirts can go with any of those jackets, you have 25 different combinations you can wear on top. That's the uniform. That's what I'm trying to get you guys to see. That if you have two or three pairs of the same dress pants, but maybe you get them in gray or black, or you get three in black to keep your black looking crisp, because I definitely buy multiples of classics to keep them looking fresh. Then you just pair them with different things, and you don't need a hundred different things. I guess that's the point. Well, the other point is to buy things that work well with each other, because if you do buy that random yellow sweater that only pairs with one pair of pants, you're less likely to wear it because it only works in one combination. Exactly. And it's really, it's knowing yourself, it's knowing your closet, and it's thinking about what you will really reach for and wear. Because what I'd argue happens is that when you have too many clothes, none of them are very precious and they're all scrunched up together and they're fighting for space and they're falling on the floor. You don't even know if you've washed something or not. Like I have friends who do so much laundry, they have piles and they'll say, I can't even remember if this is clean or dirty. And they'll wash it all again. 
I would argue that those are the clothes that are getting a beating. They're not being taken care of. They're getting squished. They're getting rewashed out of like disorganization. And so what I like to do is knowing I only have like 10 outfits really inspires me to take care of them. I can keep track of my clothes better and care for them better. I'm also really nice to them. Like I wash denim and black things inside out. I do a cold, cold wash, which is nice to lock in colors. I don't ever do a high heat dry. I do like a tumble dry low. So I'm gentle with my clothing. And I think since I have fewer outfits, I would actually argue that they are more precious to me. And so I treat them very well. I don't abuse them. But the key is just not packing your drawers with a hundred days worth of clothes that are in the way of the ones you wear. So when we're in the dressing room in that moment of should I buy it or not, I really like to remind myself like if this isn't better than everything I have and there's literally not a thing I would take out of my wardrobe to put this in, like would I replace an old thing with this new thing? And if the answer is like no, I like everything I have better than this, it's a really clear signal to me to walk away. Yeah, it's all about kind of self-control at the clothing store and being honest with yourself, like you said. Right, and what I was saying on Instagram that I think a lot of people can relate to is that like stores are always going to convince us we need that new pillow or that new trendy top or that new shape of pants. And I'm not convinced of that anymore. I do love shopping for home decor, but even that month of no spending really taught me like I have enough vases. I don't need another vase that's a cool vase because I have a vase I love and I will use the vase I love over all the new vases that come and go. Like, we overcomplicate things, I think. When people keep asking me, how do I pare down? I'm just kind of like, you have this story in your mind of how hard it's gonna be, but I don't tell people, take out what you don't like. I say, pull things you love the most and wear all the time, put them on your bed and count them. That might be all the outfits you need. Put the rest in a Tupperware in your attic for two months and just see if you even need to go into it. And if you don't, donate it. Like, if it doesn't get worn, I'm not making up a story to go with it. I am donating it. I'm consigning it. I'm selling it. It's not getting a space in my closet to just like leer at me every day. And one more tip, because I did get a lot of questions about kids' wardrobes. People kept saying, how do I do this for my kids? I have the easiest tip. Basically look at their drawers and closets on laundry day. So they have gone, I'd guess, around a week of wearing things. And all the things they love and wear the most are in the hamper. It's as if you said kids pull out the things you love the most and put them on the bed. But instead of putting them on the bed, they've already put them in the hamper for you. So then you go through their drawers and their hanging bar in their closet. And you just look at things on laundry day. Do this three or four laundry days in a row. So three or four weeks, once a week, you just look at what's still in the drawer and what's still on the hanging bar. I would bet you that most of the time the same items are shoved in the back of the drawer and in the hanging bar because they're the things your kids don't love the most or the things that you don't love putting them in or dressing them if your kids are smaller than the age where they dress themselves. When you identify the things that keep getting shoved in the back, these are space suckers. They are the reason the drawers don't open and close easily. They're the reason there's drama in the morning with kids getting dressed. There's too much stuff. There's too many options. It's so easy on the laundry day after the good things are in the laundry basket to take out kind of Shear the sheep, if you will, and give them that wonderful gift of space in their drawers so they easily open and close, easier dressing in the morning before school. It is really a gift that keeps on giving when we simplify. Amen, sister. Amen. And like you said, there will be more of this this week in a post where you can actually see a video of all of Sherry's clothes, every single drawer. I open every drawer. I show you the one drawer that's empty for a really dumb reason. And since we're talking about clothes and dressers and closets, I feel like we might as well transition to this listener question we got about bedrooms. And it came on our voicemail from someone named Christy. Hi, guys. My name is Christy, and I'm calling from Minnesota. 
I've got a question. I've been living in my house for a year, and I cannot get our master bedroom decorated. I've got a headboard on one wall, and it's directly across from it is our TV. And then my two remaining walls have nothing on them. It just feels like if I put stuff on all four walls, it's too much. But if I leave them blank, it feels too empty. So I'm just feeling a little stuck on that. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Bye. Yes, Christy, the struggle is real. Yeah, I would say we've struggled with filling our bedroom too, partially because it's bigger than we need. We've talked in past episodes about how we think our bedroom is too big. Yeah, and it sounds like a first world problem, like, oh, my bedroom is too big. But it is kind of annoying that you have to buy furniture you don't need to fill up a space you don't need, and then you have to clean that space you don't need. Like, it's not a gift, actually. It's annoying. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think we personally subscribe to this idea that a bedroom has a very limited function. It's for sleeping and for getting dressed for the most part and reconnecting with your partner oh my gosh (laughs) i wasn't gonna go there that was under the category of sleeping but either way it requires very little out of furniture in the room you need like a bed nightstands and some places to put your clothes so like we don't think our bedroom needs like a couch for lounging or a table for like having our morning coffee or a desk for working. We don't even have a TV in our room anymore. Right. We weren't using it very often at all. So if you don't need a lot of function out of your bedroom, why do you need all this space? Like why do we have these massive bedrooms to just like throw unnecessary function into them? Right. And what I was going to say is that I think what we would do in a perfect scenario is steal space from the bedroom and put it somewhere else. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. Like we wish we could put it into our master bathroom or somewhere where we need more space. But the way that the hallway is configured, it's an impossibility. We couldn't shave our bedroom and make it more bathroom unless you walked into the room through the bathroom. And that would make no sense. We could possibly make it more closet. But as we just discussed, we don't need more closet at this point. Right, (laughs) when I have no clothes. (laughs) But we have figured out a way in our bedroom to sort of make sense of the space. I'm not going to say it's perfect or it's the most well-decorated bedroom I've ever seen in my life because I think it can be improved. But we've at least figured out a way to sort of make sense of it. So I will share that in a moment. But first, I wanted to sort of address Christie's question, like, what else do you put on the walls? And I think, you know, in the absence of having more furniture and function to add, one thing is to turn to large decorative or functional objects. So think of things like a large floor mirror. That's something we have that takes up a good spot on one of the walls and it's functional for us. Like a floor mirror is something that is helpful in a bedroom. Right, you could also add large floor lamps. We used to have one, it broke. We have not yet replaced it. Um, Large plants, we have a big potted plant between two windows and all that's on that wall, you guys, besides this large potted plant, On the windows, we have floor-length curtains. It's amazing how long, billowy curtains and a plant can fully fill, visually fill a wall inexpensively, relatively. Our curtains were from Ikea and very cheap. I'll actually link in the show notes to what we do to cheap Ikea curtains to make them look better. We did a whole blog post tutorial on it. It's inexpensive and looks great. So just think about other ways that you can fill rooms without filling them with furniture you then have to dust under. Like large art can do the job for you. And we do have a chair in the corner. I think it is kind of there just to fill space. Like we don't really need it. I sit in it maybe 1% of the year. Right. I think the dog enjoys it. So it's kind of burgers chair. I think our solution to filling these other empty walls, because all that stuff was not enough for us, 
and it's going to sound funny, is dressers. Right? You're judging us because you're like, what? You just bought extra dressers? Yes. And also you're like, you told us you don't even need all of the space in your dressers. Why do you have dressers? But hear us out. This is why it works for us at least is because dressers are like storage disguised for the bedroom. You don't necessarily have to use them as clothes storage, but if you have other things in your house that you need to store that you don't have room for, you're not going to put like a kitchen cabinet in your bedroom. Right, you're not going to put like a serving buffet or a china cabinet. Right, but a dresser is how storage is supposed to look in your bedroom. And do you want to know a secret, guys? We have a full tall boy dresser that's full of our kids' art, fabric, craft supplies, nary a piece of clothing in it. Yes. It's there because we had space for it and it stores things that we need to store. So it works, right? They're in our bedroom. It's not that weird to get fabric or kids' art in the bedroom. They're kind of a flat file drawer, so it works perfectly for long, flat pieces of paper like kids' art. And I even have things I want to frame in there. Like, it's my little catalog of paper and fabric. And it's in a bedroom. Yeah, it would make sense more to be in, like, the office. Yeah. But that's where we had a spot for it. So if there's other stuff in your life, like, say you have a specific hobby, you could definitely get something that looks like a dresser that has big deep drawers that stores whatever you need for that hobby. Yeah. I mean, it probably isn't something that you need every day because you don't want to always have to run back up to your bedroom to get it. But for us, having things like the kids' art or extra fabric, things we don't need every day stored up there, that's been a solution for us, and it solves the issue of having these empty walls. Now, the problem with it, and the thing that we've had to sort of figure out, is like it does still look weird sometimes to have just a bunch of dressers everywhere. Like we literally, if you count our nightstands, which are technically three drawer dressers, we have four dressers in our bedroom and a fifth in the closet. So Crazy. We, yeah, we have a lot of dressers. But the way that we've made it work is that we have mixed the finishes slash colors and the size slash heights of them. So for instance, those dressers I mentioned that are our nightstand, they are painted white. They're fairly small, like they're not too tall, they're nightstand height. And so they disguise themselves as nightstands. Well, across from that, we have this hand-me-down dresser that was from my dad that's a more traditional size clothes dresser. It is wood. And so it mixes well with those white ones. They don't look like a set. And then that dresser Sherry mentioned that has all of our art in it. It's tall. Like, it's a taller dresser. It has, I think, six drawers in it. Yeah. And it is painted gray. So it also mixes in there. It doesn't look like a big bedroom set. We're not saying go out there and buy, like, five of the same dresser. You want to get some mix of color, of size, and that will help them not look so repetitious within your room. Right, because I get a lot of questions that are like, wait, so if my nightstands match each other and my dresser shouldn't match that because then I have a matchy-matchy furniture thing going on, what should my dresser be? And I'm always like, almost anything else. And I wanted to add, our dressers are not on the same wall. Like none of them are together except for the nightstands on either side of the bed. So that it's not like we have two completely different dressers right next to each other. Right. It's not a dresser convention. I'll share pictures in the show notes for you guys to see. But I think now that you know the strategy, when you look at the pictures, you'll be like, yeah, that is a weirdly like dresser heavy room. Yes. But when you go into it, there's a chair, there's plants, there's curtains, there's the bed. So and nothing being all wood or all white in the dresser arena doesn't feel as overwhelming. I'm sure there are other tricks out there for this as well, but this is the one that has worked for us. And like Sherry said, we'll put pictures in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast so you can see our dresser convention (laughs) or at least dresser convention in the making in our bedroom. And if you guys ever have a question you want us to answer on the podcast, like Christy, you can leave us a voicemail. Our phone number is 571-4-YHLHAP. And coming up, we've got We're Digging. I'm digging something that is controversial maybe to some, 
But first, we're going to take a quick break. I know everyone is hyper-focused on Halloween right now, but if you guys look a little further down your calendar, we've got some of the biggest guest holidays coming up. You know, like Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Christmas, the works. Which basically means that these next few weeks are a great time to make sure that you and your home are geared up for your guests. And that is where this week's sponsor, the Annie Selkie Companies, comes in. Yeah, well, first of all, they're like bedding central. So if you need some stuff for your guest bedroom, maybe some new sheets, maybe just some luxurious blankets, you can impress people. You can even grab a comfy robe to make your guests feel like they're in a fancy hotel. And I guess if fancy is not how you roll, because our wallets don't always roll fancy, <laughs> don't forget that they also have their Bed 101 collection, which basically bundles their luxury bedding into simple sets, taking the guesswork out of shopping and saving you 15% over buying the pieces individually. And even if you're not playing host this season, Annie Selkie has all this stuff to help you transition your home into the colder weather. You know, just like cozy throws, knit pillows, stuff that feels like you're treating yourself. Is buying yourself a new rug a treat? Amen. Treat yourself. Get yourself a runner, fools. We did a runner on our stairs it's by dash and albert which is an annie selkie product and we're obsessed with it still looks great like five years later so if you want to check out any of this go to annieselkie.com slash yhl that's a-n-n-i-e-s-e-l-k-e.com slash yhl and she'll give you 15 percent off if you enter the code yhl15 You know, before we get into we're digging, I actually have a quick announcement because we are very excited here because for the first time in like a decade, Richmond is getting a West Elm store. You guys know we... I'm trying to talk here, lady. Three. It was a triple siren announcement. It's very exciting. Well, we used to have a West Elm here and it closed. You guys know we love West Elm. They hosted all of our book tours for both books. And we have been so sad that we haven't had one here to actually shop in person for a while. But one is finally opening. Yes. And not just that, but we are going to be at the grand opening party. And we want all of you guys to come. It's next week, Thursday, October 25th from 6 to 8 p.m. And it's free. There will be food. It's being catered by Lunch and Supper, which is an awesome restaurant here oh, in Richmond. Oh, you guys, if you have not had Lunch and Supper, just come for that. Yeah. Forget the Peter Six. Definitely. Come for the food. <laughs> so if you live in the Richmond vicinity, please come hang out with us. They are also doing 15% off any purchase in store that night. And a portion of the sales will go to a local Richmond charity. So we want you guys to come hang out with us. It'll be a lot of fun, we promise. Yes, and it's in a really cool part of town. It's in Carytown, which is like one of our favorites. Oh yeah, it's like right across from Can Can, if you guys know Carytown. So it's an awesome location. And in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast, we'll put on the info. There is an RSVP link so you can let them know you're coming. Because as we've established, we want to make sure there's enough food for everyone. Don't take my wings. I don't think we know there's going to be wings or not. There might be barbecue. There's going to be something meaty. Supper is delicious, you guys. Anyways, Thursday, October 25th, here in Richmond, 6 to 8 p.m. We will see you there, but now we're going to get into our digging. So a couple weeks ago, Sherry said something very controversial on Instagram. I stand by it, guys. Fall is for the birds. Yes, Sherry is not a fall lover. And so I felt like I had to come on to this podcast and say that I dig fall. Well, excuse me. Can I just state my point first? Fine. Okay. This is why I don't like fall. A, it's the death of summer. I hate when summer ends because I love the beach and I love nice weather. B, fall is very rainy and cold. I don't know why everyone thinks fall is beautiful. Oh my gosh, a beautiful fall breeze. It's just cold and Um, rainy. Exhibit A, look outside our window. I mean, it's nice right now, but you can't trust fall. Exhibit A. Am I right? Can you trust fall, really? You can't. And three, was I doing A, B, and C, or one, two, and three? It doesn't matter. This is a mood point. Everything dies. 
Fall is the death of beautiful things. The leaves turn into sticks. They fall off the trees. The trees are like a gross stick jungle. Then hate winter. That's what winter is about. But you know what fall is? The gear up for winter. It welcomes winter. Fall is the connector between summer, the best season, and winter, the coldest, okay. most miserable You've season. You've had your time. I just felt like I needed to say that not all Peter Six hate fall. In fact, <laughs> in fact, one of them loves it very much and has loved it all of my life. As someone who has a birthday in the fall, a November birthday, I've been a staunch defender of fall, uh, in particular Thanksgiving. As a child, I declared it as my favorite holiday, which I'm pretty sure no child loves Thanksgiving. Not over Christmas and Halloween. No, it doesn't rank like amongst the like presenty holidays. They're just like sitting at a formal dinner with your extended family is not something that probably ranks very high for many children. But being that it was in my birthday month, I felt like I had to promote Thanksgiving. John Petersick, lover of Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, and as someone who doesn't always love the heat of summer, like above 85 degrees, I start to get uncomfortable and sweaty and wish it were cooler. And so fall is a gift to me. And that's why so many people, Sherry, love fall is because it's sort of some relief from summer. Do you not think that all pumpkins look very smug? Yes or no? Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, not, not even get into pumpkins. I just want to say that I think this is the time where you can be outside walking for an hour or two. I walked all summer long and I loved it. In the evening. I mean, now I, you no, it's it getting the... dark earlier. Guys, another thing I hate about fall, the sun disappears at 530. But now you can go in the middle of the day. And when the things do die, when the leaves drop from the trees, it's beautiful. Mm. Now when they drop, we have to clean them. Um, oh, labor. Fall makes more labor for us. Didn't someone just also Instagram a picture of a beautiful white brick house in the fall? I did, but you know why I liked it? People were like, oh, why do you want pumpkin shelves? Because the pumpkins are outside where they belong. Well, Keep the pumpkins out of my house. Well, we are not going to settle this debate. <laughs> but I at least wanted it to be known that someone in this household can appreciate the season. And it ain't me. And that's fine. That's fine. We still love each other, right? We Okay. Uh, well, in a few minutes. <laughs> we'll be fine. Gotta, John needs to cool off. Yeah, I had to go outside in the nice, brisk weather to cool <laughs> off. Just kidding. It's 80 degrees. John, defender of Thanksgiving, needs to cool off. <laughs> yes. I need to go find me a turkey. Okay, well, what I'm digging this week, you guys, is jumping back into the woo-woo territory. Did we ever jump out? I mean, we're always kind of in there now. Um, I wanted to tell you guys that I love inexpensive Simple things that I feel like are me time or what's that called? Treat yourself. Like I'm not someone we've established who goes to the mall and buys like 50 new outfits to treat myself, right? So what I like to do is super affordable things, which my husband really likes. He's cooled off now, by the way. He yep. loves me again. Yes. This is warming me up to you. <laughs> So I don't like to spend a lot of money on stuff. You all know my beauty routine is like apple cider vinegar and coconut oil, which are like $4 at the grocery store. And to add to that, what happened when I shared about my apple cider vinegar and coconut oil routine was that people were like, oh my gosh, have you tried Indian healing clay? I feel like the sound effect we need now is like a ding. I'm starting to swing the other way. <laughs> John's rolling his eyes. Okay, it's basically like an $8 thing you can get on Amazon. And it's a powdered clay. It says health and beauty Aztec secret on the front. But it's just 100% natural calcium bentonite clay. That's all it is. It's powdered clay. But the woo-woo magic is that when you add it to apple cider vinegar, which we all know is my favorite thing in the world, it creates a clay mask. The powder and the apple cider vinegar come together in a mutual understanding of love and support, and they create this beautiful mask that you put on. It's like a clay mask. It dries kind of like mud turning into dirt, like it gets dry on your face. 
I don't let it get fully super dry because it does say on the package, if you have sensitive skin, don't wait for it to fully get like crispy on your face. Just kind of wash it after you feel like it's done a little bit of work drying out somewhat. And I have done it once and it was a wonderful experience. It was me time. It was $8 for this giant container. I think it probably has a thousand servings in it. I was going to say, you didn't use the whole thing, right? No, based on how you just use a little bit of powder. It's almost like, you know, the amount of powder that would be in a fun dip. Like, wait, in the actual pouch or the amount that you would get on the stick when you licked it? Well, maybe three sticks worth. Okay. Three sticks of fun dip worth plus a little splash of apple cider vinegar is all you need to cover your whole face. And it's a big tub of it. Basically, like, when you get, like, a sugar scrub in, like, a jar, that's kind of how big the jar is. Um, I will link it in the show notes. You can't get cheaper and easier. It felt wonderful on my face. I did not break out. I did not get red. It works with apple cider vinegar, which I'm pretty sure is the fountain of youth. Can I just point out that apple cider is kind of a really fall thing? Oh, here we go. I think you might love fall, Sherry. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. Thanks for listening to Young House Love Has a Podcast. And hey, I know we mentioned Instagram and Instagram stories a lot on this podcast. Like it was the place this whole closet discussion came from. So if you're not already following us over there, please take a moment to do so. We are at Young House Love, just like we are on every other social media channel. And it's a great place to get updates between podcast episodes. And we always have a discussion about each week's show in the comments on Monday evenings. So we'd love to hear what you think. And it's also a great place to tell us what you do while you listen. Like Zach and Anya, who listened while they were on their honeymoon in Croatia. Ooh, congrats, guys. And don't forget to check out younghouselove.com slash podcast for all the bonus links, photos, and info from this episode. Yes, like you can see that dresser convention in our bedroom. And a sneak peek at my closet in case you missed it on Instagram. But remember, I'm sharing a big juicy blog post about it later this week, too. Later. Bye. What if we do the outro like in different voices every time? And I'll be like Jewel reading the outro. Gosh, I knew an impression was coming. Thanks for listening to Young House Love. It's been so long since you tuned in last week. I have to say that one's pretty good. You like that? (laughs) Okay.